Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And this is part 12 of our series called The Covenants of Promise. And I want you to be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel to get these and then let people know that this is available and it doesn't cost them anything. And also go to our website, which is myfaithroots.com and sign up for the very free email devotional that comes to you every day along with this lesson so you can read both of them or read the other one and then uh, listen to this one and be blessed because we want to help you wrap your mind around some of the tough subjects in the Word of God. Covenants of Promise, Ephesians 2.12, you had no connection with Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You were outside God's covenants and the promise that goes with them. Now, you know, those are just words to a lot of us, but when you stop and think about how serious this sentence is, we were basically cut off with no hope. I mean, there was a God, but we didn't have any connection to Him. And what I want you to understand through this series is that God created a connection for mankind to approach Him, and that connection was through blood covenant. And if you did not have a claim on that covenant, if you were not a part of it, then you had no hope. Now, that doesn't mean that God left the whole world without hope because there were loads of opportunities for people to come into covenant with God, even if they weren't born the natural seed of Abraham, they could be proselytes to the faith. There was a way to convert to Judaism and convert to the family of Abraham. And there are loads of people. You read uh, all through the genealogies about uh, several of the Gentiles who came into the family of God, all of the women that are named in the genealogy of Jesus, for instance. Uh, those women come out of the Gentile backgrounds, and God brought them right in, and uh, most of them anyway. The, uh, they, they came in from Gentile backgrounds. God brought them in. All right, let's talk about this covenant that God made with Abraham. It had to be tested. And so what we're reading here... In Genesis 22, 1 and 2 from the NIV, we're reading about the testing of the covenant because a covenant was no good if it didn't have a test. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, now listen to this, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abram had to go there, or Abraham had to go there. When he got there, uh, God pointed out the mountain. Uh, This is one of the most misunderstood stories in all the Bible. Because to a lot of people, this was just a test to see how much Abraham would obey God, uh, to what extent he would obey God uh, to prove an absolute test of faith. But you have to understand that God never does anything without a much deeper purpose. And God hates human sacrifice, absolutely hates it, can't stand it. And that's why he condemned these Canaanite nations that lived all around the Israelites for all the time they were in the promised land because they practiced human sacrifice. They, they, they burned their own babies, their own children. And that's the worst kind 
and they, they were horrible about it. So for God to even flirt with something like this, to tell Abram to offer his son as a sacrifice, there had to be some very deep and defining reason for it. It was more than just to prove that Abraham had a great faith. The story has to be understood in the context of a blood covenant relationship. And the covenant was no good if it was not tested. Abraham obeyed without any hesitation. Now let me read to you from Genesis 22. We'll start with verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And so you think about it. There would have to be enough wood that would completely consume a dead human body. So that's, that's quite a bit of, of wood. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He was able to recognize it. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then listen to this, then we will come back to you. So he fully expected to come back, not alone, but also with Isaac. So he obeyed without hesitation. So, And notice that the Scripture points out that they came to the place on the third day. Uh, Isaac carried the wood. He had it on his shoulders. Abraham had the fire and the knife. And as they're going up this mountain, Isaac asks about, uh, I see the wood, I see the fire, I see the knife, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham answered, and he said, God will provide a sacrifice. Now let's take a look at verse 9. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it, he bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. So he had every intention of following through with this. I mean, there, there, there was no doubt in his mind he was going to do this, no hesitation. And now we know why when we read the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read beginning in verse 17. By faith... Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice who had received the promises. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his only one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So, God had told him, through Isaac is your seed going to be called. He's the one that will become the father of many nations like you, and, and he will have a huge family. There will be loads of people come from him. It's all going to come through Isaac. It's not coming through Ishmael. It's not coming through future children. It's coming through Isaac. He's the one. Well, at this time in his walk with God, Abraham knew that God couldn't lie. There's no way God could lie, and he knew that everything had to come through Isaac. So his reasoning was, if God is asking me to offer my son, that means he fully intends to raise my son from the dead. And on that basis and that basis alone, would it be permissible for Isaac to be offered? But 
There was no benefit to Isaac being offered. What God wanted more than anything here is willingness. There's a scripture in Isaiah that says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, that's exactly what Abraham was. He was willing and he was obedient. He's obedient to to do what God did and he certainly was willing and that's all God needed to see. Before he could plunge the knife into Isaac's throat, God stopped it immediately stopped it and said, because you have done this thing. God said, you did it. And so on that moment, Isaac was figuratively raised from the dead. When was he killed? In the mind of Abraham, he'd been dead for three days. So he is an amazing picture of Christ because they are on the mountain where Christ will be crucified and where Christ would rise from the dead. And so we have these two covenant partners with their sacrifices 2,000 years apart and they are standing there together and both of them willing to give their sons for the covenant. But God stops Abraham from giving his son because it's not necessary because this would have been a hard one for anyone to see. Christ was the son of both. He was the son of God and the son of Abraham. And since Isaac was born a sinner like all the rest of us, his death would have accomplished nothing. God had to have a sinless sacrifice, and that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who came 2,000 years later. Now, listen to this. Uh, Genesis 22, and we'll begin reading with verse 15. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from, uh, from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, not, not you intended to, you have done it. God said, I saw you do it. It was done. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That could only come about because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fulfills that. Now, this is amazing because Abraham proved that this covenant was a just covenant. There is no accuser anywhere in the universe who could come before God and say, you did something for mankind and no human would ever have done that for you. And now that idea is completely dismissed. God found a covenant partner who was willing to do the same thing for him in this covenant that he would do for the world. Now, I know there are times when people, especially nowadays, are are troubled by the idea of blood sacrifice, and this is nothing new. 120 years ago, certain uh, mainline denominational churches in America began to take uh, references to the blood out of their hymn books, and they felt like it was crude, and and it, it presented a picture of God that they did not like, they thought was too harsh and too severe. Let me tell you why this blood sacrifice business with God is such a big, big deal. It is because it excludes all fallen angels. Lucifer is a fallen angel. 
He has a body. Angels like that have a body. They have a different kind of body, but they have bodies. But there's one thing they do not have. They do not have one single red blood cell flowing anywhere in their bodies. Therefore, they are excluded from this covenant. Uh, the Bible, the New Testament says that even the angels that are not fallen, God's angels, desire to look into these things concerning salvation, uh, but they don't have full grasp of it. Why? Because they do not have blood. They do not have blood. Blood excludes the power of the enemy. And this is why Satan is, is always put back because of the blood, the blood sacrifice. At the, the Egypt, it was put on the posts of the doors and on the lintel across. The blood sacrifice kept the death angel from penetrating any Hebrew household. It is the blood that makes the difference. And we go back to the book of Revelation all the way forward, and we read how that we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of God that is in our testimony. Man, I'm telling you what, when you understand this and you get how important it was for Abraham to offer his son in the way that he did. So this blood covenant is a serious deal. It has been tested. God found a man who would partner with him, who would do what he asked. Can you imagine how long it took God to find somebody like that and how he had to cultivate someone like Abraham and cultivate his faith. You know, God built Abraham's faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher or the developer of our faith. He had to do it one step at a time. And in the beginning, Abraham did not have great faith. But boy, here you see the most amazing faith. So God has restricted himself. And um, he has done this throughout the scriptures where he limits himself in some ways to the powers of a man. Uh, we read a little bit later on in Genesis when God and two angels came down to talk to Abraham about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, I'm going to see if they're as bad as I heard they were. Well, God knew already what those cities were like, but he talked like a man because he wanted to be just in the way he dealt with man. And so sometimes he put himself in a man's role in order to deal with these things. God found Abraham to be willing. And oh, this is what's amazing. Uh, he knew it. Abraham knew it. He knew what was going on. He caught a glimpse of that covenant sacrifice. Jesus records it in John 8, 56. And the reason Jesus knew it is he was there. He was there. He was on that mountain. He saw it. And he said this, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And then in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, these, talking about Abraham and the patriarchs, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Abraham didn't see all of it come to pass in his lifetime, but having seen them afar off. In other words, from 2,000 years before, he saw the plan. He understood it. And he was persuaded of it, and he confessed that he was a stranger and a pilgrim on the earth. I'm telling you, when you, when you get an understanding of this blood covenant, and you realize how much God loves you, and how he worked to bring you into his family, 
and how that this covenant is not just any deal. It is a covenant that's rich in promises, rich in provision. We have to study it and learn about it. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work for people who are casual about their faith. You need to demonstrate faith. And the good news is you can. You can demonstrate. And you can grow in great faith. You can do it. But you can't do it by casually seeking God. Well, that's all the time I have for today's podcast. So be sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the uh, the like button, and, and then also be, sh- be sure to share this with other people because we want to help get the word out there that this is available and uh, we want to lift people's spirits every day. So help me get that done. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time.